On today's show, a brutal first half sinks the Hawks in Los Angeles. We'll dive into the Hawks' fifth loss in the last six games, and we'll get into all the depth that you're looking for on today's podcast. Stay tuned. All that and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1384 of the Lothan Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Friday evening, deep into the night here. In fact, it's already Saturday as I'm recording this podcast, and today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. They help you find qualified candidates that you want to talk to, and they help you to do it faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash MBA. Also, I want to tell you the top of the podcast, make us your first listen here at Lothan Hawks each and every day. Check us out across podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Odyssey, Google Play, and we're also available on YouTube on the video side. Today's episode is going to be diving into what became a loss for the Hawks on the road, 130 to 114 at the hands of the Los Angeles Lakers, the second loss of the Lakers in the last eight days, really seven days in a lot of ways. But uh, with this loss, the Hawks have now lost five of the last six and 11 of the last 16. They fall to 18 and 21 on the season. And quite honestly, the vibes would be even worse if they not pulled out a win in uh, back and forth fashion on Wednesday. If you missed that podcast and everything else from this week, it's been a very busy week on the podcast. I, I implore you to catch up on that stuff, but we'll get into all of what tra- transpired in tonight's game. Basically, what happened here was the Hawks had a very, very bad first half performance and they played out. They played better after that, but the hole was too big and they were not able to overcome it after halftime. So context-wise, a lot to get to, your, get to here before the game even starts. First, uh, as far as my mental state, this is the one and only 10.30 p.m. Eastern time game of the entire season for the Hawks. They have a lot of 10 o'clock games on the West Coast, but this is a 10.30 start. Yes, it's Friday, but uh, certainly late into the night here as I'm recording into the 2 o'clock hour. Um, the Lakers, by the way, had won four out of the last five coming in, so they've now won five to six. They've been playing better basketball, but they are very, very shorthanded. Uh, in fact... No, Anthony Davis is it's huge for them. That's very obvious in a way that he's just he's a star player. But they're also missing Lonnie Walker and Austin Reeves, two of their better perimeter players. They were without Troy Brown, who played 25 minutes against the Hawks last week. They were down a lot of guys in this game. And the Hawks were without Capella, which definitely matters. He is very, very important. And by the way, people keep asking me about this. I have no updates on Capella. He's still on the trip. Nothing definitive. I've been trying to ask around. There's been no upgrade to him on the injury report. I'm still told it's just a calf strain. But uh, who knows on the, on the timeline? He could play Sunday. It wouldn't stun me. But, uh, you know, we'll see. It's kind of a TBD situation on Capella. But all that said, Capella, I'm, I'm probably number one on the list of people that bangs the drum for how important he is. The Lakers were still much more banged up in this game than the Hawks were. And Atlanta, as evidence of that, on the road was a three-point favorite, according to our friends about online in this game. Again, the Hawks were overnight like a pick em, maybe minus one. And then all day long, the Hawks took on money and were three-point favorites in this game. Obviously, that did not come to fruition in the spot. So, as I said before, the first half was really ugly. We'll get into it now. And it happened right, right away. The Hawks were down 9-2 to two out of the gate. The Lakers scored the first four possessions of the game. The Hawks had a bad turnover early on. They were one three from the floor. They got some stops after that, finally, and they were sort of intentional about pushing the pace. Jonathan Murray had a big first few minutes with a, with a couple of pull-up jump shots. I think he had uh, four or five jump shots that he had attempted in the first five minutes. Probably a little bit not, not great process there, but he made some shots early on. But defensively, the Hawks allowed 26 points on the first 19 possessions in about eight minutes. The Lakers were shooting almost 70, 70% from the floor in the early going. Uh, rotationally, there were some tweaks in this game compared to the previous ones for Atlanta. 
Boogie was the first sub, played the usual six-man role for the Hawks. Trey had the quick rest in the first quarter, as he's been doing recently, but they've been waiting to go to AJ Griffin until the second quarter of the last few games. That happened quicker in this game than it had previously. Also, Jalen Johnson came in in the first quarter. He only played in the first half, though, until the garbage time set in. So it was basically an eight-and-a-half-man rotation for the Hawks in this game at times, and uh, we'll get into all of what transpired there later on. Um, the Hawks were down by 14 points with like two minutes to go in the first quarter. Defensively, it was really rough. Point of attack stuff was uh, kind of hideous, honestly. And this happened again later on in the game as well. But there was a play that led to the 14-point deficit with the Hawks down by 12, where Collins had a great play of block a shot. And then because no, there was no, nobody behind him on the play, that block shot led right to a layup. And that happened again one more time in the second half of this game. Uh, at the end of the first quarter, the Hawks were down by nine points, and the Lakers put up 37 in the first quarter, their highest scoring first quarter of the season. Again, this was, uh, as I'm looking now, game 39 for the Lakers. And this is their highest scoring first half, sorry, first quarter of the entire season. Um, the Lakers had a 132 offensive rating in the first half. Sorry, in the first quarter. They had 22 points in the paint in the first quarter. They were running they were running off, make, off makes and off misses, eight, eight assists. Offensively, the Hawks were also not very good in the first half. That's kind of been overlooked in some respects. I'm going to drive that point home later on as well. But the offense... Was not good. They settled, they settled quite a bit in the first quarter, and the sort of groundwork was laid. But the big sort of haymaker in the first half came a little bit later. In fact, it was to open the second quarter, a 14-2 run by the Lakers. So the Hawks were already losing, and they gave up a 14-2 run to begin the second quarter with, with Trey on the bench. Um, a 49-30 deficit at that point, down 19 in the first, like, I don't know, 14 minutes of the game. And on top of the defense, which, again, was very bad in the first half in particular, the offense was terrible in the first half. And that kind of got overlooked a little bit. But the Hawks, in their first 39 possessions of the game, scored 30 points. Um, if you're not familiar with this, basically, um, even a very bad offense scores at least one point per possession. And the Hawks scored well below that in the first 15 minutes of this game. They were shooting 30% from the floor. At one point, they missed 10 of 11 shots from the field. They were 8 of 30 at that point outside of 4 feet, which is uh, horrific. A lot of settling, probably too many attempts outside of 4 feet. Also, a lot of uh, bad shot making. They went to Aaron Holiday after a timeout. I'm not sure Aaron Holiday was going to play in this game. In fact, I, I would probably guess he wasn't going to because, generally speaking, when a guy sits into the middle of the second quarter, he's not going to play in that game, barring a change of some sort with, with regard to foul trouble or an injury or whatever. He came in and played actually better than most guys did in this game, but I think that that was kind of out of necessity. I think they tried to uh, kind of throw a curveball to get some energy on the floor. It kind of worked, but still um, just kind of goes, goes to show what the plan was versus what the execution was in this game. Hawks were down by 26 points in the middle of the first half after uh, after that kind of hideous <laughs> period of time with both ends of the floor there was a late run by atlanta a 12 to 4 push to get down to uh 18 in the final minute and then uh also trey got going a little bit offensively and he was much better in the last two and a half quarters of this game than he was in the first quarter and a half they were down by 21 points after giving up a layup on the, on the final possession of the first half it was one of those little things but trey committed a foul 19 seconds to go in the first half and that set up a defense only possession from the hawks and that's a very obvious time in my mind to get trey off the floor for a defense only possession didn't happen. And uh, on that possession, Trey got beat back door for a layup. And that's one of those little things that just kind of get overlooked sometimes, but that was a rough decision, rough execution all the way around. But again, the offense was truly awful in the first half. An 83 offensive rating in an entire half. They were 11 to 38 outside of four feet. They shot 33% from the floor in the, in the first half, 215 from three, only had eight assists in the entire half. That is very, very ugly stuff. There were some process issues, but I will say this. This often, this often gets me yelled at, but I promise you this is the case. Both can be true here. The Hawks did not play well in the first half, 
and the Hawks also got a little bit unlucky with the shooting variance in the first half. Atlanta couldn't make anything, and the Lakers made a lot of shots. All that stuff can be true at the same time, and it was in that perfect storm of the first half. Defensively, the numbers were actually better on defense than they were on offense, even if it didn't necessarily feel that way. Um, the Lakers were making a bunch of shots, but I will say this, going back to what I said a second ago about the process issues and the way the Hawks actually played in this game, the point of attack defense was terrible throughout, uh, especially in the first half, but really the entire game. They allowed 42 points in the paint and 22 fast break points in the first half. For reference, like the league leader in points in the paint is somewhere in the mid-50s offensively. So that was 42 in the, in the first half. That's terrible. The league leader actually averages about 18 fast break points per game, and uh, that's for the whole game. The Hawks allowed 22 fast break points in the first half of this game. Now, that's not always that's not always point of attack and transition, but they were not able to stop the ball at any point. Nate said that after the game as well, that the Hawks could not contain ball handling in this game. That was very clear on tape. If you watch it back, I've watched it twice now. The, the Hawks did not do a good job at the point of attack at really any point of this game. And on the interior, yes, Akongwu could play better. Collins did a yeoman's work job, but they weren't great around the rim and protecting the paint in this game, but they have no chance, honestly, with the way that um, the perimeter guys were playing. We'll get into more of that individually later on in the, in the podcast, but um, truly it was very, very, very bad defensively. If you look at the, if you look at the tape, uh, it w- wasn't just shot making. Now the Lakers did shoot above their heads in this game. I will say that, but uh, the Hawks are more responsible for that than anything else. So, uh, all that said, we'll get into the second half of this game, and uh, there's a little, a little bit more of a rosy picture in some ways um, at the end of the, at the end, at the end of the game because the Hawks did play better in the second half. They did. That's important context, but still, the damage was kind of done, and we'll dive into all what transpired after halftime in a second. But first, it worked from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members that you surround yourself with. And that's why you have checked out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs can help you qualify, hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people that have skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. I have used LinkedIn Jobs a few times to hire in the past. It's been proven to be an amazing resource for me and really makes the entire hiring process easy and painless. The program also helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to open your jobs with targeting tools and they make it easy to screen rate applications based on your job qualifications all in one platform. LinkedIn Jobs also goes beyond resume data by using insights from your job post, your company, and their millions of member profiles. Post your job for free in front of the most qualified candidates while doing it quickly. We all have goals for the new year, of course, and having people around you is huge in making that happen. So checking out LinkedIn Jobs will be very wise and small businesses ranked LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires against leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates that you want to talk to, and they help you to do it faster and for free. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnMBA. One more time, that is LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnMBA. Terms and conditions apply. All right, and the second half, again, was better, but the damage was kind of done in some respects. The Hawks had a 10-4 to run of the gate in the third quarter to get the lead down to 15. Uh, Murray and Trey both had, both made threes. At one point, the Hawks had missed 12 consecutive three-point attempts, and they were actually pretty hot in the second half from three. Um, there was some positive regression overall. They were shooting the ball well in the first six minutes. They believe it was down to 12 at one point. Trey came alive individually on offense after starting the game one of eight from the floor. He made seven of his next nine shots and had 13 points in the first seven minutes of the second half. He was really uh, a, a, lot, a lot more aggressive, a lot more assertive, a lot more efficient after halftime. But defensively, 
it was still pretty rough. The Lakers scored 10 points in like a two-minute span, mid-quarter to force a timeout. Uh, that was the second time in the game that Collins had the block that led right to a dunk because nobody was there behind him. Uh, there was a vintage lob from Trey to Collins for a one-handed dunk later in the third quarter. And by the way, neither of one of them sat at all in the third quarter. The Hawks kind of threw their rotation out a little bit in the second half of this game when Trey had been sitting mid-quarter a lot because Trey and Collins had it going a little bit in that third quarter. And they uh, definitely sort of trimmed the rotation down after halftime, at least until garbage time arrived. But uh, they got within 10 with like a minute to go in the third quarter. And then uh, kind of right on cue, the Lakers hit back-to-back threes in the final minute to go back up by 16. And that really hurt, I thought. Now, the Hawks did erase that, as we'll get into in a second, with some three-point shooting early in the fourth quarter. But it was a good example of basically every time the Hawks got it, like within 10 or 12, and they had a little bit of a run, the Lakers made shots. And kudos to them, hat tip to them. But even when the Hawks were playing better, the Lakers still made shots in this game. Uh, the third quarter was their best quarter. They won, they won it by five points. Trey uh, had 17 in the period. He was really, really good offensively in that period. Defensively, it was better overall. The Lakers made, the Lakers made five threes. And uh, generally speaking, the defensive numbers were back in a normal range, but the offense was lagging behind at, because of that dire first half. They didn't play Jalen Johnson in the second half until garbage time. That was the right decision in my mind still. They didn't play Griffin at all in the third, but he played, he played some in the fourth. The Hawks got the six points back early in the fourth quarter on those uh, back-to-back threes by Hunter and Griffin. And... That kind of, you know, the Hawks were in that 10 to 12 point range, but the biggest sort of knockout blow was a 12 to two run by the Lakers to go from up 11 to up 21 with about seven and a half minutes to go. Uh, in my mind, that was the dagger of the game. Now the Hawks were never within single digits in the second half anyway, but uh, at that point it wasn't totally over. Like we've seen some crazy stuff in the NBA this year and the Hawks have done this in the last couple of years where 21 with seven and a half minutes to go is not like completely unscalable, but that was basically the end of the game in my mind. Um, and again, the Lakers were eight of 14 from three to start the second half. Uh, that is tough to overcome when the Lakers are, by the way, a bottom five team in three point shooting accuracy and volume. And they were taking a ton and making a ton in this game. There was a technical foul on Nate McMillan with like four minutes to go on a, on a foul call against Collins. I like to see Nate kind of get after that a little bit because he challenged the call. It was a bad one in my mind. It wasn't overturned, but it was one of those calls where like it's probably good to take a technical foul, but obviously didn't help matters. At that point, by the way, the Hawks were still down 13 points, but they were shooting 62% from the floor and 50% from three in the second half, and they were down by 13 points, which is, again, why you cannot dig a hole like, like they did in the first half. Um, they got it to like 14-ish with like three and a half or four minutes to go. And they were not able to get the sort of combination that you need of like multiple stops and scores in a row to, to really make a run. And the garbage time arrived with like two minutes to go. They cleared the bench, went to Kaminsky, went to Vic Krejci, and that was the end of that. So as far as the numbers are concerned, offensively, before the bench was emptied, the Hawks had a 106 offensive rating. And that included the very, very good offensive second half. So that's a terrible number for reference. Like that's a that's like a league worst number, 106. And when you factor in how good they were in the second half, that's one more reminder of how bad they were in the first half. Um, after halftime, the Hawks shot 60% from the floor and 44% from three. That's an excellent shooting half. But they managed to only beat 46% from the floor and 29% from three for the game because of how bad the first half was. They did stop turning the ball over, which is encouraging. Ended up the game with 24 assists and 12 turnovers. That's a very solid enough ratio of two to one. Uh, but they got nothing on the offensive glass basically the entire game. They won the free throw battle in this one, but not with huge volume either. So uh, basically the biggest thing was the shooting disparity. Um, the Lakers shot the heck out of the ball and the Lakers, and, sorry, and the Hawks did not. Um, before garbage time on the defensive end, the Hawks had a 122 defensive rating, which is also really bad. So bad offense, bad defense, 
bad combination. Now, the Lakers were 16 of 35 from three. That is, I would say, objectively unlucky against a bad shooting team. But the Lakers also had a lot of good looks, and their available roster is much more perimeter-focused and probably had some better shooters out there than they usually do. Um, you know, having Dennis Shooter shoot five of eight from three is kind of tough. I'll say that. Um, Kendrick Nunn had 23 points. He had a good game. Russ made two threes. Uh, LeBron was one of five, and the Lakers still shot the ball well from three. So there's some unlucky stuff in there. But the stuff that wasn't luck-based really bit the Hawks as well. The Lakers had 66 points in the paint in this game. That's a ridiculously high number and a bad number for the defense. 26 fast break points. Those aren't luck. Those are terrible numbers. Now, it was better in the second half because those numbers were sky high in the first half. But still, you can't really like work around that for the most part. And the only real positive defensively was the 18 turnovers they forced. They did, they did okay on the glass, I will say that. But um, you know, anytime your opponent shoots the way the Lakers did in this game and had 33 assists, uh, that's not going to be a good spot. You kind of have to be perfect on offense to win that kind of game. And the Hawks were not, by any objective measure, per- perfect on offense in this one. So we'll get into the individual players in a second. But uh, all told, there was what I, what I would describe. There was if you if you say there are four halves in a game, two halves for the offense, two halves for the, for the defense. The Hawks were only good. The Hawks were only average in one of those four halves, and it was the offense in the second half. They were terrible on defense in both halves. They were terrible on the offense in the first half. And if you only play decent on one end of the floor in one of the four halves combined, that's not going to get you very very far in the NBA, basically. So anyway, we'll move on to the individual players. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online, and the NBA is, of course, the main topic on this podcast. Things are very busy as 2023 is now here and upon us. Well, also beyond the basketball world, there's plenty of football action, NFL playoffs on the horizon, hockey, soccer, other stuff going on in the sports world. The action never stops at Bet Online, the number one source for sports betting information, stats, and news this season. That is definitely the case. Get the latest odds and trends for every pro and college league out there at Bet Online. That includes the latest in the NFL and uh, basketball, college basketball, of course, is out there, soccer, esports, they have golf and tennis and auto racing and horse racing. But online is also very useful. Engaging the latest on the Hawks, they have the game-to-game odds and totals and money lines, plus future bets, which were, which also include division odds and conference odds, season win totals, uh, you know, title odds, individual award stuff, and much more. But online is the fastest, easiest way to get sports betting fix. And if you love sports podcasts, you can also find those. But online, check out Bet Online on the mobile device or computers to learn more about all the trends and the action across the sports world. But online, where the game starts. All right, and not a ton of positivity in this one with regards to individual performances across the board for the Hawks, as you might imagine, a 16-point loss. We'll start on the bench. Uh, I thought, honestly, the most damaging player in this game was Bogdanovich. And I like Bogey. Uh, I'm positive on Bogey, generally speaking. He's a very useful player on offense. His defensive performance in this game was very, very bad, like glaringly so. And offensively, he wasn't terrible, but 10 points on nine shooting possessions didn't really overcome that. He was minus 24, kind of earned that in my mind. Uh, two assists, three rebounds, had a steal and a block. I will say that. But uh, point of attack stuff, just he can't slide right now. I don't know if it's going to get any better with the knee or what's going on there. But his point, of attack, his point of attack defense has been really bad since he came back this year. And then offensively, he didn't do enough to overcome that. So I'm not going to – he was not the only one that was bad, but I thought he struggled probably more than anybody in this game. Uh, Aaron Holiday came in and gave them a, j- a jolt in a positive way. Had six points in 14 minutes, three assists. Um, better at the point of attack. He was their best Perimeter defender in this game. That's a very low bar to clear, I will say. But uh, he was at least effective as a pesk in uh, in transition and kind of on the ball. 
Um, still kind of a small role. Jalen Johnson played five minutes, and that include garbage time. So not, 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 not much to say there. Same with Kaminsky, two minutes. Rick Ritchie, two minutes. Uh, AJ Griffin played 15 minutes. He was relatively quiet, only took three shots. That's way less than you would think he would take in, in 15 minutes of action. Made a three early in the uh, in the fourth quarter, but uh, minus 15 in those minutes, he was defensively shaky, as a lot of guys were in this one, but uh, not too much to add there. Um, as for the starters, nobody could make shots. Uh, Okongwu was the only guy other than Trey to – post efficiency in this game and he only took six shots he was 10 points on six shots seven rebounds but only four defensive had three steals in a block he was active on defense minus 17 i thought he was okay he didn't make a huge impact nor was he bad i think he was uh, one of the better players probably uh, again kind of a low bar in this one but i thought he was just okay um collins couldn't get shots to fall in this one 05 from three after a good shooting night the other night um 16 points on 18 shots um, eight rebounds, two assists, three blocks. He was their best defender in this game, but offensively, obviously not up to his standard. He's usually very efficient from two-point range. And he was fine from two. Seven of 13 is not a bad number there. But when you're 0-5 from three, it's hard to overcome that efficiency-wise. Um, Hunter, mixed bag, 16 points on 16 shooting possessions. So not terrible, not good. Um, did have eight rebounds, but no steals, no blocks, no assists. Um, just kind of a so-so game. We'll probably a little bit below average from him. Uh, Murray had a good start with a jump shot. And then went very cold. I think he was like four of five to open the game. I think he was three of 13 the rest of the way. 16 points, six assists for DeJounte. Only one rebound, and it was offensive. So that's a weird one. But um, turnover-wise, only one. Uh, defensively, he was not his normal productive self. Did have a, did have a steal. But, um, you know, it's got definitely kind of a – I don't even know how to say it. Like, there are nights when DeJounte is really playmaking defensively, and that's where he sort of uh, butters his bread on, on the end of the floor. If he's not doing that and not creating havoc, he's kind of a liability in some respects. He's not as bad as Trey and Bogey have been by any means, but he's not a huge difference maker unless he's making those plays as a, uh, as a, as a havoc creator on defense. And then Trey. So early, I thought Trey was really, really rough for like a quarter and a half. And then the second, the second half, really the last two and a half quarters, he was awesome on offense. I'll say that. So 32 points, nine assists. Five rebounds. He had three steals. He was pretty active defensively in some ways, um, but he was 10 of 16 on twos, two away from, th- from three. So it wasn't like he was super duper efficient, but he was really good in the second half. And uh, the Hawks were plus two, which were on the floor in this game. Now, defensively, I thought he was pretty rough, even by Trey standards. Um, obviously, he's never, I shouldn't say never, he's not usually very good on defense, but I think that uh, there were some glaring moments in this one, um, but not even more, not any more glaring than bogey. I thought that there was a stretch in the first half when Kendrick Nunn, who was not having a good season, he's kind of been invisible since he got to the Lakers, really was taking it to Trey. And there were, there were times when the Lakers were definitely trying to target Trey and they were doing so effectively. Um, of course, the, the positive of Trey is that he was good enough to overcome that with a lot of offense because he was, again, very good on offense in the second, like the second half plus. But defensively, it was rough and he was a big part of the issue defensively. Somebody asked me during the game, like, is it just Trey? No, it's not just Trey. It is not just Trey on defense. Is he their worst defender? Yes. But Bogey is right up there right now. I, I, don't, I don't mean that in a negative, mean way, but it, it's it's just the reality. And then uh, you throw in guys like, again, like I said a second ago with Murray, where he's not making plays. Griffin's a below-average below average defender. Um, there's just a lot of weaknesses on the on the perimeter right now. And they talked about, like, not individually, but they talked about, like, just not being able to stay in front of guys. That's very clear on tape. And, yes, the Lakers didn't shoot well. In, sorry, the Lakers did shoot well in this game. But uh, there was a lot of things that the Hawks made easy on them that they didn't have to make easy on them in this game. So all that said, a pretty rough one. Uh, 
I think I mentioned this earlier, but I, I'm, I guess you have to be glad for the Hawks' sake and the vibes' sake that they won the game on Wednesday. Because if this was their seventh straight loss, whatever it would be, it would be really rough. And uh, obviously, they still have a chance to go 500 on the road uh, on, on this road trip, I should say, with a win on Sunday. It'll come back to you at the end of the podcast. But uh, this is a, this is a bad performance. It wasn't catastrophically bad. The first half was, I'll say that. Uh, they at least were resilient and did just roll over, but uh, not a whole lot of positives to take away from this one, for sure. On a non-game note, before we move on to the sign-off of this podcast, um, both contracts for Veet Krejci and Tyrese Martin become guaranteed in full at 5 p.m. on Saturday. So I'm recording this podcast at like 2 a.m. on, sa- on Saturday. Um, 15 hours from now, both Krejci and Martin become guaranteed for the season. Now, the assumption should always be that guys will – become guaranteed and it's worth keeping in mind i'll try not to i'll try not to go deep into the salary cap stuff now at 2 a.m but both krejci and martin make less than the veteran minimum krejci as a uh, guy who was who signed one of those like hickey special kind of contracts in oklahoma city and then martin as a as on the rookie minimum so part of the appeal of those guys actually from the hawks trying to avoid the luxury tax standpoint which i don't think anybody should care about but the hawks do care about anyway is that they make less than the minimum. So that's a reason to keep those guys around. But if they wanted to move on from either one of them and create another roster spot, they could. They need, they need to do that now to save the money that would be requisite there. But again, the Hawks already have an open roster spot. So if they want to bring somebody in, they already can do that. They don't really have to create space. And as I said in the last podcast, the Hawks are now available to sign 10-day contracts. If they wanted to do that, they could go ahead and do that right now. The Lakers, in fact, signed somebody today. Um and that's so if you're, you're, you're definitely allowed to do that. If the Hawks want to cycle through, but uh, just that's one of those like very small notes, but um, just keep an eye on that in the next 15 hours uh, as the Hawks have at least some decision to make on Krejci and Martin. All right. Last thing, the Hawks stay in Los Angeles over the weekend. Now that can be troubling. I know there's been some studies done about like teams have to play the Lakers and Clippers o- over the weekend in particular. Uh, nightlife can get you, uh, but we'll see how that fares on uh, on Sunday on Sunday evening. It's actually a nine o'clock game, so that'll be a nice reprieve after 10, 10, and ten thirty the last three games. Um, the Clippers also played in Minnesota on Friday night, so a small advantage there with the Hawks not having to travel between games. Uh, also, the Clippers are really bad right now. They've lost five games in a row, including a loss tonight to Minnesota. So that's a positive. I still think the Clippers at full strength are better than the Hawks and also they're playing at home. So that's a tough spot. I think the Hawks, as long as Kawhi and PG play, the Hawks will be underdogs at tip off, I would guess, even if Capella comes back. But there is a chance to finish two and two on the road trip. But as I said before, uh, the mailbag show that dropped on Sunday morning, sorry, Sunday evening into Monday, a two and two, a two and two road trip would be totally fine. Now I wouldn't feel that way after tonight. I get, I get, I get all that. Having those two losses in the way that they would be, would be frustrating. But I think realistically, for this team, a two and two trip to California would be totally fine. One and three, not a disaster, but not good. Especially when the one loss, sorry, when the one win kind of had you, you kind of had to pull out of the fire on Wednesday. So um, I know there are lots of hot takes flying around. I get it. The frustration level is very high in the fan base right now. I definitely sense that day in and day out. And uh, like I said, this is a bad performance. The Hawks did not play well at all in this game. Does that mean that there has to be like a teardown that happens right now? No. I got questions about Victor Womanyama in this game and uh, and tanking and trades. And I get it. I get the frustration. I, I promise I do. But uh, we'll, we'll have more on that stuff in, the, in the, sort of the context in the future. But for now, just a rough night at the office for Atlanta. And we'll see if they can get it rectified on Sunday against the Clippers. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everybody. I do appreciate everybody checking out the show as always. And I definitely encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey app. Uh, where else is the podcast? Google Play, Stitcher. Also, we're on YouTube. And I definitely 
uh, would certainly say if you listen to the podcast audio only, I don't, I do understand that, but go ahead and like, and subscribe to the show on YouTube. It definitely helps that. And that auto download across the board uh, clicks are very much appreciated always to uh, support the podcast and the work that's going on here. I'm also writing on Patreon, patreon.com slash BT Roland. If you want to check out the written side and uh, follow me on Twitter at BT Roland, follow the show on Twitter at locked on Hawks. And we'll see you after the game on Sunday.